Welcome to Season 3 of The Edge Conversations, a podcast series produced by the Institute for Molecular Bioscience at the University of Queensland, a collection of personal and inspiring stories fueling IMB's pursuit of cutting-edge research. At the age of 18, an injury put an end to Catherine Clark's dream of playing for Australia's hockey ruse. Not one to let anything stop her, Catherine soon figured out there were other ways to make a career out of her love for sport. Now, as CEO of Paralympics Australia, Catherine is helping to carve new paths to success for some of Australia's best athletes. Catherine, thanks for joining us today. It's great to be with you. So, a great sporting life, I think we can describe yours as to date. Um, sport is something that most of us play growing up. What sports did you play and what are some of your best childhood memories? So I think I cut my teeth on gymnastics uh, when I was very young and then once I realised that I didn't really have the flexibility required, you know, my brother hanging out at cricket pitches, backyard cricket then because girls didn't play cricket or AFL when I was growing up. I did lots of athletics though. Um, I loved running. I still love running. But the sport I fell into, there was two, tennis and hockey. I didn't want to play on my own. I wasn't an individual. I loved and had far more fun playing as a team and so I picked hockey. So you pursued hockey into your adult sporting life. Tell us about where it has taken you and your achievements. Yes, hockey became my tribe. I think we all try to find our tribe and and I found a great bunch of of girls who I played hockey with and I'm still friends with a lot of those girls from my first Queensland rep team. Yeah, I had a, a really bad injury when I was 18 and and at that time the hockey roos were, were winning gold medals everywhere. It was a very, very tight and, you know, hotly contested and actually really consistent team. So I was very aware of what that meant. However, I had a, a Queensland manager who put me on to an opportunity to go and play in the Netherlands and I, you know, that is a major inflection point in my career, both on the pitch and then how I transferred into sport administration and leadership off the pitch. So the whole world of the business of sport, let alone look, looking at soccer or football, as they call it in Europe, that just blew my mind about how big the business of sport was. So when I came home, my mind had been stretched and it was, for someone like me, impossible to go shrink back to size. So you're a regular guest speaker at UQ and IMB functions, but your connection to their research runs a little deeper. Your own health journey has taken many twists and turns. Uh, Could you share some of it with us? So back in 2009, I had a real health issue that I couldn't find an answer to. And as it turns out, I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's hypothyroidism and The medical profession at the time, I I didn't present, I guess, to the GP with the, you know, traditional um, symptoms, Um, but I I went to see a specialist women's health doctor and and she asked me this random set of questions and I was like, what is going on here? And then she said, I think you've got hypothyroidism. So really, Catherine, your health kind of journey to date has almost been a succession of misdiagnoses. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and and it's this scary kind of journey to go through, I guess. Maybe, you know, I don't think it's just me, is that you you go to people with this expertise thinking that, and I probably have um, 
put so much faith and trust in in the advice that I get. But on that first occasion around, you know, PCOS, it wasn't just abdominal pain or period pain. There was a 10-centimetre cyst on my ovary and I learned that lesson of getting a second opinion. The second time round when we have, you know, Hashimoto's hypothyroidism, I had just lost my grandfather and I had moved back to New Zealand to care for him. It wasn't fatigue or grief. It was the fact that I had an autoimmune condition that was going to have big implications for the rest of my life and for all kinds of things, whether it was falling pregnant, you know, weight management, energy, brain fog. Because that particular condition had a very big bearing on your sporting career as well, didn't it? Yes, it it absolutely did. And everyday life, let alone being able to train, I couldn't get out of bed in the end. And this, it felt like chronic fatigue, but that was because of things like these podcasts where I had heard stories or listened to other people talk about chronic fatigue. So it was something, it was the only thing I knew. Go forward to 2020, you know, and I was diagnosed with adenomyosis and I, I simply said, what's that? I'd never heard of it. There's not a lot of information around. And I'm, I'm really grateful that I know people at UQ are doing research into this because it is quite debilitating. And I know I'm not alone. There are women who are looking for answers for the things that they're dealing with. So we need more research and we need to speak up about these health issues because there there are many amongst us that are dealing with the same issues. We just don't know it. So let's um, take a big jump forward now. <laughs> At the end of 2021, you were given the position as CEO of Paralympics Australia. First of all, congratulations. Thank you. What was it like being part of the 2022 Australian Paralympic contingent? And what do you find most inspiring about the athletes you work with? Going to China in a global pandemic with a closed loop where I had probably 15 tests before I could even get on a plane, during a flood in Brisbane, into China when Russia was invading the Ukraine. It was all happening. It was all, just to paint the picture, It was there was a lot to take in in a very um, short amount of time, given I was four weeks into the role and heading over to China. The COVID testing regime was comprehensive, to put it one way. But once we were in the closed loop, everything ran with absolute precision. The people were lovely. It just didn't have the games atmosphere because there wasn't crowds. There wasn't the bustle. There wasn't um, lots of fans everywhere and the kind of buzz that you can get in a Paralympic, you know, Olympic village. That being said, oh, my goodness, what a stunning canvas snow-capped mountains, you know, make. It it was absolutely beautiful. I didn't fully comprehend how much steeper the mountains are in person than they are on TV. They are terrifyingly steep. Um, And these amazing humans, superhumans, our Paralympic athletes, you know, it's hard enough, you think, conceptualising going down a mountain at speed when you um, have your full vision, let alone if you're visually impaired or if you're on a sled. They are breathtakingly courageous. And I think to your question about what inspires me the most is encaptured by Danny DeToro said to me, you know, Paralympians live with discomfort. We've had to let go of focusing on what we don't have and putting our full energy into what we have 
what are our strengths and what we can do with our potential. And that is the defining and the most inspiring and moving um, impact of working with these amazing people is that it makes you think to yourself, what can I do? If I focus on what I have and my unique strengths and I play to my strengths, there's probably very little that you you can't achieve if you bring that mindset to your everyday life. And I think that's why Paralympians, you know, people love them and adore what they do and, and hold them in such high regard. That is a beautiful way to, I think, end this podcast. It's something really um, inspirational and a little bit of food for thought for all of us. Um, Catherine Clark, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a really enlightening conversation and um, we look forward to seeing uh, what our Paralympic athletes do at the next Olympics. I can't wait to see it either. Thank you for having me. You're more than welcome. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Edge Conversations. For more information on the Institute for Molecular Bioscience at the University of Queensland, visit their website, imb.uq.edu.au.